Coming up, where did the Angels go wrong and how do they approach the upcoming offseason? How did this talented Padres team fail to make even a dent in the wildcard race down the stretch and where do they go from here? And will the Mets actually consider trading Pete Alonso? Are they going to build for the future? And who do you have as the current NL MVP? Find out our picks right now. Hello, listeners. My name is Alex Jonitz, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd. He was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 108. Alex and I are coming to you. It is Thursday, September 7th. AJ, how are we doing? A little bit of a break, right? Yep. Had a little bit of a time off there. You had a wedding to be in, you know, very... Uh, wedding and work trips, you Im- know. Important life uh, events going on in the lives of the Two Tools uh, hosts here. But, you know, Travis, it is time to keep things rolling. A lot going on in the MLB world. A lot going on in the sports world. You're right about that. I mean, today, Travis, we just finished watching the first 20 game. minutes ago. Our, our butts were planted on that couch in that living room watching uh, the revamped Detroit Lions. Yes, Go- Goff was Take game one. Goff was cooking. Um, Mahomes' receivers were not cooking. Um, it was a fun RIP Tony. It was, yeah, Kadarius Tony. Uh, if you got him in fantasy. My heart go out, goes out to you. You know, not a great look. But, um, Travis, it was uh, fun to kind of watch the first NFL game of the season. Um, Travis, the only reason why we were watching that is because the Angels um, have been such uh, a miserable viewing experience as of late. Um, not only, I think they have like a top or a bottom of three record since the trade deadline. Um, Otani and Chuck both aren't playing at the moment. Um, they're playing against the Guardians, who are also like tanking themselves. I saw a really funny post. Someone said, like, if the Guardians viewed themselves as, like, out of the mix again, they could just, like, they could just wave or they could put, um, they could put, uh, all the guys they claimed, they could just put them back on, like, waivers or whatever and, yeah. like, let another team get them just to, like, give some salary relief to, like, the Cleveland, like, owners. That'd be really, that'd be so Guardians to just, like, that would be a very Guardians move. And, uh, it would be a guardian. It would be an angels move for them to also drop another series. AJ, I think we're running on what six straight losses right now, swept by the Oakland Athletics. First off, that's when it was. That's when it got really sad uh, last week, and then swept by the you know one of the best teams in baseball, Baltimore Orioles. I'll give them credit. They're just a. They just play baseball the right way, and you know, I mean, just in, in clutch moments, they're going to come through. They're always going to. It's funny. I was watching game one, I think of it, and Adley was not playing, and it was just Gunnar Henderson and a couple other guys that I didn't really think of. And I think the last five hitters were like Jorge Mateo, uh, a couple guys I had never heard of, a catcher I'd never heard of, and they still like managed to. Beat I think the James Angels. McCann was was starting. James McCann is starting catcher. Another DH I never heard of. I think Santander is batting second, and then Gunnar Henderson. Uh, is is batting third, and I'm like, okay, that's a, that's those are the two tough guys, but no Cedric Mullins, no Adley, uh, no Ryan Mountcastle, I don't think, and and they still managed to just tack on like five runs and beat the Angels in Game One. I think that was Monday night of this week, and you know that's just the way that a winning ball club ball club plays, where you got guys you never heard of, and they're still delivering in 
games and they're still getting dubs for your teams. But um, I guess that's my little rant right now because I, the last three weeks, Alex, since we last recorded, it's been it's it's been one. It is the worst stretch of the season for the Angels, and it's probably one of the hardest three weeks as an Angels fan. Just kind of knowing the season's over, you're already giving up on players that you acquired. We can get into a little bit of Shohei news. Um, Trout comes back, then immediately back on the IL. So it's just we're we're getting a lot of rookies and a lot of minor leaguers getting action right now. But because I mean, mainly the the main the main veterans are are this season's pretty much done and over with. Right. Yeah. I mean, since since we last recorded, Travis, we had Shohei getting uh, UCL injury, not pitching the rest of the season, and then also now has a tightness or some sort of strain of an oblique i believe it is and he is day-to-day for hitting duties trout like you said um came back from the hamate surgery it's just going to be about pain management uh he was obviously in a lot of pain the one game he came back immediately back to the il and i think that he you know i don't really know why he would come back um this season uh unless maybe you want the last week of the season just to get some reps and and to kind of see how it feels against live pitching but yeah i know rendon's hitting off a tee you know it's like that's our first update since fourth of yep. july Travis, i mean no obli english i mean Travis, fourth <laughs> of july when he what do you do hit the ball off his knee or something like that it's like high shin or knee and, and fr- from that point if i told you like i mean we know rendon gets hurt a lot at least in his angels tenure so far but like if I said this is going to be two months of just like no update, yeah. you'd be like, what is going on yeah. with like, what kind of injury is this? You know, I know he, had, I read something about like, like I've heard like bone bruise. I've heard like internal, internal bleeding. Internal bleeding. Yeah. Like, I don't know what is going on. And Travis, I'm not someone who personally to, I think you, you know this about me. A lot of people know this about me. I am like pretty like forgiving when it comes to injuries. I, I usually feel like players who are quote unquote injury prone Unless um, it's unless it's Java Chamberlain on the trampoline, right? I mean, if you get into a foolish injury, that can be on you. But I think guys who keep getting hurt in games, in in pretty much any sport, I think a lot of it comes down to bad luck. Um, you know, guys. I mean, you think that, uh, you know, pick any basketball player that's always always injured or a football player. It's like you think they don't want to be out there. Like obviously they don't wish to have you know ligaments that keep you know getting strained or whatever it is. But uh, either way, Travis Angels obviously. Uh, playoff hopes were small, probably our last episode. Now they're obviously zero. Uh, looking at um, the forecast the rest of the season, it's looking like a lot of reps for younger players. Uh, hopefully Zach Nitto is able to come back. He hit a home run in his first at-bat of his rehab assignment. Um, Ohapi is back on the big league team, and he is um, swinging the bat uh, pretty well. Looking at other guys, um, they got a call-up for Kyron Paris. Um, he has been uh, pretty uh, doing well defensively. Um, still looking for like a first big league home run, but he's gotten some hits. Um, but yeah, Travis, I, I think that the Angels um, are going to have one of the most interesting off seasons. I feel like I have a really good... Uh, my, my, my fingers on the pulse of this team pretty closely. I've never probably been as uh, unsure of what to expect in an off season um, as this coming off season for the Angels. So... Just a quick question to you. Um, what do you think their organizational decisions are? Obviously, they're going to try to keep Otani. 
do you think they're going to give him that godfather offer? Do you think they're going to give him an offer that pretty much is as big as any other team is willing to go? Do you think that uh, Perry will still be the GM throughout this offseason? Do you think Phil Nevin will be the coach going into next season? Do you think Artie will put the team for sale? Answer any of those questions in whatever order, <laughs> in whatever order you choose. Yeah, uh, Artie will not put the team for sale. Um I think what he did last off season was just kind of a – he wanted to hype up the fan base, hype up the baseball world. So I don't think he's putting the team up for sale. I think that was just a – I don't want to, I don't know if you want to say fluke, but just uh, just wanted to see what the reactions would be. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I look at Perry's job and and I, I hope he's back because, you know, Getting rid of a uh, getting rid of a head coach or getting rid of a manager is can be replaced and you can really rebound the next year. I feel like getting rid of a GM at times is you're basically destroying the identity that that GM has built. So it's a very serious. It's like uh, a hard read, hard reboot. It really is, and and, and then you're going to get a new GM in here that's going to say, okay, well maybe the other GM was doing it this way. I'm I'm solely focused on this way, and it's going to take two or three years to kind of get it going. So I would keep Perry. I don't know if they're going to keep Perry, but I mean I. I I do think that it's leaning a way that they will keep Perry because I think Artie does know that getting a new GM really does. And, and also getting a new GM is going to halt all transactions in the offseason. It's going to halt trades. It's going to halt free agent signings and all that. So I think that that's something that you got to look at as well. I do see a new coaching staff, Alex. So I'm being completely honest. I see a whole new, you know, manager, staff, um, you know, Pitching coach, hitting coach, bullpen coach, you know, uh, first base, third base coach. I, I do see a reset at that because I just don't see any proof so far that this coaching staff is worth keeping. Um, and last year, though, I think the real reason Nevin was extended was because the team was up for sale and they just wanted to kind of get that that deal done so that they can focus on other things to be done uh, before maybe the team was up for sale. And we didn't know how long the team was going to be for sale for and all that stuff, but um, those are answering all those questions. I would say Artie does not sell. Perry stays. Nevin and the coaching staff are gone. And then with Otani, Alex, I truly do believe, you know, Artie Moreno and this front office will offer Shohei Otani a monster contract. I think that right now it gets really interesting with with the injury of his pitching ability. And is he going to be pitching next year? If he is, is he going to come back? You know, in spring training, is he going to have to take a couple months off, maybe come back in the middle of the season, or will he just miss all of next season with his uh, his UCL injury? Um, and so th- that that's going to be a big question mark. You got to answer yourself. And then also, uh, if he's not pitching, then he's only going to be a DH. And are you paying him, you know, six hundred million dollars for the first year to be a DH only, or are you paying him? one season of a dh duty and then after the 2024 season then he tests the market and he becomes you know the free agent that we all thought he would be with you know pitching and hitting all on the table for the 2025 season so there's still a lot of questions i will i will be asking but i do think no matter what i think Artie does give him the max deal because i think he wants to a retain shohei and have a competitive baseball team that's always been already always been Artie's way now I don't think he spends the money in the best uh fashionable way possible I think also with Artie being a surprisingly I know a lot of critics but he is an outstanding businessman Alex you got to admit that he knows how to get the big players on the ball club 
uh, with you know signing Pujols, signing Rendon. It doesn't work out, but he knows how to get the big names there. He will overpay for a lot of guys. Their jersey come. sales, yes. their jersey sales, and I see him giving Shohei a max deal. And I really am curious if. You know, teams like the Dodgers and Giants say, hey, Shohei, we're going to give you only three years, but we're going to give you this much money. It's going to be the greatest AAV contract in the history of sports, but we're only going to give you three years. And Artie says, well, I'll give you 10 years and the money that you want to stay right here. Do you sacrifice maybe with the winning ability? I don't know what's going to happen, but do you sacrifice that? with taking all the money and getting the highest paid contract in history and living in Southern California and, you know, being comfortable in your quote unquote, you know, atmosphere or zone, you know, living here in, uh, in Orange County, or do you go look uh, to play elsewhere, maybe take less money, uh, maybe, maybe a greater shot to win. So I do think that he will get a huge, huge um, contract offer from the Angels. Uh, I guess it just comes down to if Shohei wants to stick around for the rest of his career here in Anaheim or if he wants to go somewhere else and, uh, you know, maybe focus on uh, winning on another team or another coast. But um, to answer those questions, that's that's what I'll give you. And uh, I, I I just think that that's that's truly my what's what's going to play out with the Angels this year. Yeah, it's it's so many variables all kind of coming to a head in the same offseason. Um I do think Angels will give Otani a huge offer. What I am the most curious about is to see which other teams want to follow suit. I personally have been saying this for a while now. I everyone, I mean, the betting favors to get Otani has been the Dodgers probably all season. Um, I've never thought that that was the most likely option just because I personally thought that the Dodgers are so financially disciplined. They're so smart with their money. The only two like monster, monster deals they gave in the last few seasons is in terms of long term is Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, who we'll be talking about later. They have been two of the most durable, consistently contributing stars in the game. When it came to a guy like Corey Seager, who is very, very good, but has an injury track record, they let him walk. When it came to Trey Turner, let him walk. When it came to Guys like Scherzer they've had in their team, let them walk. You know, they're not going to give the, you know, super long-term deal that's going to age poorly. They don't really do that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't remember. I mean, when's the last time they feel like in this current Dodgers run, they gave a deal that was too long to somebody? I mean, yeah. the only example I can think of is Price, who they didn't even do that deal. They just absorbed him in the Mookie deal. Mm -hmm. That's like the only guy I can think of who, like, was on their team. And like they're paying them kind of a lot for not really any contribution. But for the most part, the Dodgers refuse to um, give out any sort of deal that's going to, you know, I mean, I know the Dodgers do not want to particularly be paying Otani uh, upwards of over $500 million a season when Otani is 37, yep. 38, yep. 39. At that point, probably not being a two-way player, um, at least not to... Um, not not to all-star level on both ends. So um, I personally have always thought the Dodgers will try to get creative with the contract. Like you said, maybe a... I mean, I think any deal Otani does is going to have some crazy qualifiers. I think it might end up being one of the most unique contracts um, offered. You know, Julio Rodriguez is the current contract where depending on how many MVPs he gets, depending on like playoff appearances, depending on this and that... 
um, will all have a big effect on what uh, different player options or team options can be exercised. All that kind of stuff is very interesting. I could honestly see um, some different deals offered to Otani by a team like the Dodgers, a team like the Giants, um, a team like the Mariners or Texas. I could see them saying, you know, we will give you this 10-year deal, but if you don't have three seasons of 150 innings pitched by year six, we have a team option to opt out. Something, yep. something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if Otani wants that level of uncertainty. There is a chance he could do something like that and then like opt out after a couple of years and like get another long-term deal um, if he wants to kind of, you know, take it uh, step by step. But I think the Angels are the kind of team, Arden Reno is the kind of owner, I should say, who will likely offer blank check kind of yes maybe not the absolute most money of any team maybe like uh a team like the cubs or the the giants will offer the most if all those conditions are met but i can see the angels being like we don't care if you get hurt if this or that happens where we will there's no opt-out for the team like you will be an angel for life i can see Artie moreno wanting to sign up for that type of deal so um that's my opinion in terms of already selling, I've heard whispers on Twitter of he's not everyone that's near him has not heard him discuss wanting to sell the team. Um, in terms of Perry, I think that most people know that he really um, was dedicated to winning this year. I don't know what he could have done better personally. I mean, he's not to blame for Rendon. That contract was there before he arrived. He's not to blame for the injuries to Rochella, to Trout, to Otani, Ward. <laughs> to Ward getting hit in the face, to being aggressive and calling up Ohapi and Neto, both immediately break out, both immediately get hurt for extended periods. Um, you know, bullpen injuries. It's funny how like the Angels rotation is the one thing that was like un unlike injured the whole season up until <laughs> Otani, of course, UCL. Um, serious damage, serious injury, I should say, um, season ending for pitching. So um, I, I really can't blame Perry's, uh, the moves that were made. Um, I guess the last point on the Angels, uh, before we switch things up, they had all these players um, leave the team in order to, you know, fans had, were kind of split. Some people were saying Artie was just trying to save money by letting Renfro go, trying to get someone to take Grichuk. Um, letting Matt Moore go and Reynaldo Lopez. Um, I personally think that the main idea behind it was to get back below the luxury tax mm-hmm. so that next year um, they don't have the same amount of penalties if they wanted to be in the luxury tax next year, especially if they were to keep Otani on a big contract. It's like, oh, we don't want to be super handcuffed and limited, so let's... um build a situation where hopefully next year um, they're not on the second straight year of being in the luxury tax because I know those penalties um, become much more strict. And so. I actually heard too that uh, if Otani walks next year, then being below and getting rid of those players being below the luxury tax, Angels would receive a second round comp pick for the draft. So as a, for, for, for um, a, a, the as qualifying a, offer a, a, as a, like a, a, Instead of a fifth pick, settlement I prize, or yeah, yeah, it's almost just like, and, and that kind of you know, there's there's those areas of baseball that I I truly still even 
for how long I've watched baseball, love baseball, know about baseball, like there's still some things I don't know about when you get in those luxury tax areas and, you know, ownership and financials that, you know, fans may think one thing and the average fan might say, oh, you know, Artie's just getting $5 million right back to his pocket. It's not going back to his pocket. It's, it's, it's making sure that the team can possibly even receive more uh, compensation picks for future drafts if Otani does walk because, as you know, uh, when you do land certain free agents, um, you do get draft picks that get taken away from you. And, and the Angels, I mean, the years where they signed Pujols, the years they signed, um, I think even when they got Vernon Wells and when they got uh, Josh Hamilton, those were so many years where, you know, and I know in baseball, draft picks really don't matter. And I, I would agree. There are times where first round picks just become nothing. And it's kind of like, well, the third round pick became an all-star. And, you know, we, we got that guy. But uh, so many years, the Angels missed out on so many draft picks because they were landing such high level free agents. Yeah, they were nice to have. They maybe didn't pan out that we all hoped to, but that's the way of baseball. And that's kind of how things are done. It's not like basketball or football where a first round pick will, you know, save your franchise. You know, you can almost really bank on it. But um, I, I, yeah. I heard something in the news that that was re one reason why to get rid of these players so that at the end of September, I think that's when they look at like your total, I don't know, like your total spending or salary for the year. And if you're under that luxury tax, then it can benefit you in a way, but yeah. Yeah, it's, I think to my understanding, um, so when Otani becomes a free agent here, angels are gonna offer a qualifying offer. He will obviously decline. And if the angels keep him, then nothing happens. But if he goes somewhere else, we get their second round pick, but not if we're in the luxury tax. If we're in the luxury tax, I think it's a fifth round pick. So True. that's yeah. the distinction. Mm -hmm. So the angels, the last two seasons, I think haven't had a second round pick because they acquired Noah Syndergaard, who had a qualifying offer, um, so we gave up a second-round pick. And then I think Tyler Anderson was the same story. So that just kind of goes to show some of the intricacies of the business and of things if um, we were in the luxury tax because we went for it at the deadline um, and ended up remaining above the luxury tax. It can have draft pick implications. It can have... Um, implications for how much we can spend on free agents in the offseason and, and, and uh, acquire guys through trades and all that kind of stuff. So, Travis, let's keep it rolling here. I want to change the topic. I'm going to ask you about the San Diego Padres, another team who, in a similar vein to the Angels, um, have been head-scratcher. They've tried to win this season. They've tried pretty desperately to win this season and for some reason have not been able to. I have an interesting tweet saved um, and it was it was it was quite surprising to me. I was not aware of this phenomenon. I know they have good pitchers on their team, but they have good they have good guys all over was, the field. I was going to say is it, it could be a trivia question, possibly. Yeah. So um, I already kind of spoiled it by bringing up the Padres. I, I think but, I saw today. Yep. But um, essentially, these are the winning percentages in each regular season for the National League team with the lowest ERA. So lowest ERA National League in 2011, that team had a 63% win percentage. Next year it was 61, 59, 59 win percentage, 62, 64, 64, 56, 65. In 2020 it was 72 uh, win percentage, 65, 69. So every year pitching gets you to get you to the playoffs. Unless you're the 2023 San Diego Padres, <laughs> you have a 47% win percentage, even though you have the best ERA in the National League. That is something that's quite difficult to understand for me because... Can't explain it. They do have great 
names uh, in the rotation. Snell is going to be in the Cy Young race down the stretch. Um, I've been high on Darvish recently. Musgrove is someone who um, has been pretty lights out as a Padre overall. The list goes on. Michael I, Walker under a three ERA right now. I'm looking at. I mean, it, it's 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 pretty crazy to say that this team has been pitching arguably the best in terms of runs allowed, earned runs allowed in the National League. Yet they are going to miss the playoffs. Travis, also, I mean, you're pretty much saying. Can the offense come through? And if you look at the names, they have Manny Machado, they have Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis. Um, some of their depth that you usually think of being really good, guys like Jake Cronenworth, Trent Grisham, kind of having some down years, you know. So it's it's really interesting. And some of the guys like Carpenter, like Nelson, uh, Nelson Cruz, Cruz yep. did not pan out, did not contribute the way they were hoping. Um, Hasan Kim even broke out. So he, offensively, he already was a good defender, but offensively, he's having a great year. So um, a really crazy situation that most Padre fans might not have anticipated. One last note um, in this little preamble about the team, Travis. I am personally of the belief that maybe there's something wrong with the way they're doing things. I'm mainly of the opinion that they are kind of uh, getting uh, screwed over by some bad luck because they have a plus 64 run differential, and that is better than every team in the NL except for the Cubs, the Phillies, the Dodgers, and the Braves. So they really have the fifth best run differential, yet they have like the 10th best record in the NL. So that just doesn't add up at all um, for them to be currently 66 and 75, uh, seven games out of the playoffs. Season's pretty much over for them despite um, great pitching on the season, a great run differential, but their season's kind of done. Um, any any kind of thoughts? What, what do they do next, right? Because yeah. they have a solo decision to make. They have, you know, they're they're. I have to think they're going to be in on Otani. I don't know if they're how much they're going to offer, but they were in on Judge. They were in on Bogarts. They were in on Trey Turner. I mean, they're going to have to be in on Otani. Um, we know he likes the West Coast, so that's one little thing you can give them. Um, where do they go from here? Do, do, do they need to stop this this trend of, <laughs> of the big contracts and just waiting for the big players to produce? What's up? What I mean, think? I think they're kind of down this rabbit hole that you can't really give up now. I, I don't see them just unloading and start trading everyone because it would be kind of unfair i feel like to the fan base and to the organization because i mean you 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 not wasted but you use so many high level prospects over the last three years to acquire this team and you know what again i i just think it's an outlier year that you got to say i mean everyone's got to scratch their head and be like i i don't i can't explain it i mean you tell, you're telling me you have Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, Bogart, so many great hitters, and you have the best team staff ERA in uh, – it's Major League Baseball right now, correct? I think it's the NL, but it could be MLB. A- yeah. NL, NL is – I mean, if even in the NL, and you're and you're still not even going to cut the wild card, which, I again, it's it's truly – I can't explain it. I, re- I really can't. And, I mean, yeah, you're right about the Otani. I think now if you look at an Otani signing – then you really have to be exploring a Juan Soto trade to then make up for some of that ground. If you want to go get players that can help you win now, that'd be great too. Or do you want to get guys that are younger that could possibly help you, you know, let's say in in a year or two and maybe hopefully think that Otani 
Tatis, Machado can help lead the charge. You know, I, I'm not worried. I think Machado can get back to that MVP form in the next couple seasons. I think, you know, a full year of Tatis, he's still going to be super valuable. But that's something that you got to think about. Are, should you go out there and land the big fish like Otani and then use Juan Soto as, again, what you you got him a couple of seasons ago as a, uh, and, you know, gave up a bunch of prospects. Now do you sell him and uh, reclaim a bunch of prospects back or a couple of guys that can help you win now? Um, and, you know, hopefully go that route, but it, it is a very big question mark. And, and I, I don't really know what to say. They, you know, it's surprisingly enough, Alex, they still have a, a, I think they, I was looking, they still have about three top 100 prospects. So they still have guys that they can give up for MLB, you know, good MLB talent right now. So they could still say, you know what, this off season, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to lose Snell. We may trade a couple guys. I think, you know, I, I got to check Waka and Lugo's contract if they're still extended for next year. But if they're not, then you lose those guys. Maybe you start getting other starting pitching as well. But I, I mean, it, it's it's a very interesting question. I, 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 I truly am. I can't explain what's happening right now in San Diego. Yeah, uh, you just mentioned. Um, oh, one second here. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, the fact that Hader and Snell are both going to be free agents, correct? They will be, yes. Um, I, I was big on them uh, at the trade deadline that they need to get rid of Snell and Hader because then you'd be getting back some valuable pieces for you know next right. year or the future. And um, I think right now you're looking at like a, like almost the Padres and Angels is like, man, what, what could have been if you would have got rid of these big high-level players to maybe East Coast teams or you know teams that are ready to win right now? Um, looking at some of the offense – it's weird that the pitching has been so good ERA wise, yet also the offense. I mean, if you look at the starters, Tatis is over 120 games played and above average OPS plus. Uh, Juan Soto, elite OPS plus, playing almost pretty much every single game. Machado playing over 120 games, above average hitter. Bogarts, above average OPS plus, 135 games played. Hasyang Kim. Great OPS plus over 130 games played. Um, even Sanchez has played uh, 72 games this season, above average hitter for them. So it's just crazy how, despite the pitching being good, like I I thought the hitting would even look a bit worse. But Grisham and Cronenworth are the only guys who have like over 100 games played and like below average OPS plus numbers. So um, I think it must be an issue an issue of just the depth is not doing it. In terms of some of the, the position players, it's not panned out. I know Nola, Austin Nola's had a really bad year um, offensively as a catcher for them. Um, Nelson Cruz did not pan out at all. Matt Carpenter has been below average in his games played for them. Um, and you can go down the list and kind of find some other subpar guys that haven't been able to contribute off the bench and things like that. But you mentioned the, but the prospects. I think, I forget if it was MLB or Fangrass, but someone made like their, their team... It was all the MLB teams ranked in order of the strength of farm system. Mm -hmm. And um, I forget who was first, Orioles or Pirates or someone. But the uh, top 10 featured the Padres. So it's mm -hmm. crazy how they've really, you know, in many ways, like you said, mortgaged the future for the present to get guys like Soto, to get guys um, like, I mean, who to get guys like uh, Snell, to get guys like Musgrove, to get guys like Hader, all those kind of big trades, 
you feel like they're sacrificing their future. Somehow they've managed to just draft and develop really well. So that's that's one positive sign that they have going for them that a team like the Angels might not, which is why I feel like the Angels need to kind of, like you said, continue. Um, you know, some Angel fans are calling for a rebuild, but I do think the Angels need to continue in some regards to their spending, right? I don't think yeah. tearing things down as the Angels is necessarily going to create good results just because I don't really trust them to build something great from the ashes. Whereas the Padres, I mean, they have Tatis on a long-term deal and he's going to age pretty well, it seems. If they just, if they just like extended Soto to like Tatis status and you just say, we have these two guys for a long time, let's just develop the prospects now. That could be a, a great recipe for two, three years from now, four years from now. And imagine, imagine four years in development and now you have Soto Tatis 28 years old it's like yeah they're still in their and middle then, prime ages and you yeah. have young talent that you can really build off of so i think that's all really interesting and then by that point maybe hopefully machado is about to come off your books perhaps um i know that, that i mean that machado and that bogart's contract Travis, Both guys are on there for the decade and, and, and you're you're gonna be paying these guys that they're 38 39 and it's i mean Bogarts might be a first baseman or Machado might be a Machado probably could still play some good third base, but you're probably looking at guys that, you know, uh, I, I don't even know if outfield would be, a, would be out there, but I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's it, going to be a little it, bit of a mess. It, it could be. Yeah. But um, I will say if, if one guy has a, I think if Bogarts has a huge rebound season, like I don't know if like trading is something that would be on the line because it's like, you might just say, we'll send you him and, a couple million dollars just because like we need him off our books. But I, I don't, I don't really know who wants to take that big of a contract. I don't think anyone really is dying to take that deal. I think they almost kind of got him because they missed on Turner. Um, another thing is Kim has been so good. It's like, Kim, can't you just be our everyday shortstop? I mean, yeah. if, if Kim has his elite defense, he's been playing second base all year and he's like a, one of these like war leaderboard guys if he was playing shortstop all season, he would probably have the the best war in the National League, just given that defensive value. Um, and I know that one of their best prospects coming up, I wish I had his name, but he's top 100. He might even be like top 20 or something. He, Outfielder? He's a shortstop, this oh, guy. Shortstop. Oh, okay. So, okay. so that's why he... Um, I know that um, they do have kind of reinforcements coming up. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know how the Padres proceed. Um, I do think that if they just kind of... Re- if they had a chance just to rewind this season and, and play it over again, I feel pretty confident that they would be a winning team and they would be in the wild card race at the very least. But it's crazy how um, things kind of turned out for them. But yeah, if you played the season 10 times uh, over and over and over again, I think that you're looking at the one season they don't make the playoffs. I mean, I, I always look back and say, man, I mean, if, they, if you could do this bet, but imagine if you were to make, you know, you know, you say, oh, the Yankees and the Mets and the Padres are all, you know, not making the playoffs this season. What what kind of odds are those? You know, it's 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 truly remarkable this season. I think I think that's almost the theme this year is the surprising teams of how bad uh, you know these favorites have been. So, um, Travis, switching gears here, I wanted to talk about yet another team who has had a disappointing season, um, but specifically one player in one situation, Pete Alonso. Um, is someone who the Mets were reportedly uh, willing to deal at the deadline. There was, uh, I saw some uh, 
headlines about a link between him and the Brewers. The Brewers were inquiring. The deal didn't end up happening. Obviously, the Brewers probably uh, didn't want to give up any any of their best prospects, and the Mets obviously wanted some of their most valuable prospects. So that fell through. But Alonso, I think, is a free agent after next season, if he I'm is. not mistaken. Yep. So, so the big the big buzz after this news came out was. Alonzo very well could get traded this coming off season. Um, I guess first of all, I mean he's he's just gotten hot recently. Um, I'm trying to pull up his splits here, but um, do, do you do you first of all I guess do you see him getting traded? Do you think the Mets are actually going to try to push the window down the road a, a couple years as opposed to being competitive next year? Um, and then also, what kind of team do you see as a good fit? Because I really would have liked to see him on this Brewers team in the playoffs. Yes. That would have been, I think, a very reasonable fit. And also, like, I'm just, we've been, I think, Travis, ever since the first episode of this podcast, we've been praying for the Brewers. Like, please add some fun bats to your team. Yep. You just have, like, these good pitchers, these, like, very average hitters across the board. And you just make the playoffs every year and then lose in the first round. Like, can you please have like a thumper that just gets us excited and like maybe yeah. you can like really do big damage in a series? I they mean, said, they said, Mark Canna, you're our guy. I mean, yeah. I mean, imagine, I mean, they could have done a, a package deal, no, but um, yeah, like looking at um, the last 14, where, where, where was I? I'm losing it. No, yeah, but I mean, Alonzo, last seven days, he's OPS is uh almost 1300 three home runs wow so i knew he was heating up but um yeah i think his what's his home run total in the season i'm uh, looking for, at 42, 42. i mean sneaky 42 i would have never guessed he's in the 40s right now right yeah so this hot streak from him i mean his average is low right now but i think i mean also over 100 rbis in a team that is not doing well so um that's another, another kind of funny I mean, the point next, there but the, the next closest is 38 and that's Lindor everyone else Alex is in the 50s which is just truly in, like unreal. in the what everyone else is in the 50s oh for RBIs for RBIs the next highest guy is in the 50s 57 from Brandon Nimmo and he's the leadoff hitter so I mean it's it really I mean I know they traded some guys away but it's it, it's it's been a collapse by this offense for the Mets but um yeah, continue to, about, to, uh, about no, no, yeah. yeah go ahead and just tell me um what is a good fit for this guy where can you see him playing what kind of deal will the Mets be willing to make? Do you think they yeah. actually are going to fully kind of not punt on next season, but are they going to really just say, if you're expiring next season, thank you, but we're not going to extend you on a huge contract because we want to keep our options available. Um, is that the path they take and where does Lonzo end up next year? Yeah. I, you know, for having Steve Cohen as their owner, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to believe that they would, you know, get rid of one of their best contributors when you have, you know, a guy like Lindor already, you know, on the books for the next for for the rest of this decade uh so you almost feel like you know why would you want to start giving up when you have this guy Lindor and you know I don't think you're going to want to build around with prospects for the next three four years and see where that takes you so I I, I think I truthfully do think he gets traded Alex I think that uh the Mets can you know find a package that's that's good enough to get you know good solid prospects back because I think that's what they're just they're they're really aiming to push right now and and i think that's uh alonzo's a guy that is is streaky at times and i think that they don't maybe don't want to get get you know they don't want to give him a a huge mega contract and that they rather just let him you know 
walk or go to another team for a season. You know, maybe he has a good season with the other team in 24 and then 25. You look at, you know, trying to bring him on and re-sign him back again. But um, the, the odds of that happening are very rare because you, most times when you trade a guy, the player just kind of breaks a relationship and, you know, both teams can never, uh, it, it, there's that breakup that, you know, you, you can't come back to. But um, funny enough, I was actually, you know, every day, Alex, I drive home and always see the big A <laughs> as we do. Uh, and then, you know, he's in my head, I always ramble, you know, you know, what if they did, you know, always looking at, you know, how would the angels be different next year and all that stuff. And truthfully, Alex, I mean, I, if, if angels want to compete and I always have the mindsets in my head and, you know, I, you know, right now we have Nolan Chanel, our first round pick, um, you know, playing first base, doing good job at first base, um, good contact guy, good defense guy. I don't know if he is going to be someone that we can truly count on if we want to be competitive next year. But, you know, one team I did think of is, you know, could the Angels possibly make a move for Pete Alonso? And maybe if they don't have Otani, he takes over that power role in the lineup and you can count on him for 40 plus home runs. It's something I kind of thought of, but, you know, looking at other teams, I, I definitely think the Brewers would be a strong case because, hey, they need offense. They have a great pitching staff and, you know, they they can definitely use a guy like him. Chicago Cubs could definitely use a guy like him. He's already in pinstripes. Why don't you move him to the north side of Chicago and, you know, have him play with that team that's already, you know, right now we, we might get into it later, but they're showing really strong signs of being a playoff team right now. So um, those are two teams that definitely come to mind. I'm sure, you know, other teams as well would come to mind, maybe even like getting, getting traded across to uh, the other side of New York to the New York Yankees. I don't know if Rizzo is on contract for next year, but you know, could the uh, could the Yankees be needing a big thumper in Alonzo with Judge in the lineup as well? You know, and I know the Yankees got prospects that could they could send over to the Mets. It could be kind of a fun inner um, inner you know uh, Subway Series uh, trade that goes on right there. But yeah, I I I almost I'm almost leaning that they're going to get rid of him um, and trade him. But it, to me, again, it just seems like seeing Cohen kind of just truly punt on this entire roster is is also rare in itself because of how much money he's already invested in some of these players. Nimmo's gotten a really good contract for himself. Uh, Lindor got, of course, a great contract for himself. So I, I just, sometimes it's hard to believe that he would truly get rid of a lot of these players just to really commit to the farm system. But, you know, I could be wrong. <laughs> it's it's tough. And uh, yeah, I do wonder um, which team ends up needing a first baseman. I keep going back to the Twins. I thought they could be in on Goldschmidt, yep. who didn't end up getting traded. But Goldschmidt, Travis, is actually in the same exact situation. He's, same o- plan, yeah. he's older, but uh, same free agency timeline as Alonzo. The Cardinals are in a spot with Goldschmidt where I don't know. I don't know what they do. Because I don't know what they expect to do next year in regards to how successful they'll be. I, I think, and that's a good question to bring up too. I think it'd be more likely for Goldschmidt to get traded than Pete Alonso because I, I again, like you said, the Cardinals, what do you expect them to do next year? They have so much young talent and you're riding on this, what, 36-year-old first baseman who, yeah, had an MVP season last year, but I don't expect those kind of seasons to happen anymore in his future. Um, and why not get him out of there and acquire one or two good prospects or young players that you can of course build on with those Jordan walkers with those, you know, Mason win at shortstop, you know, so many young and good guys on that Cardinals team right now that, uh, again, I think it'd be smart to move on with from Goldschmidt. 
and, and get rid of some of those guys from the past. Maybe that opens the door for a guy like Arenado as well. But continue with Goldschmidt. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just a fun spot where um, and Charles, I actually have a quick update on the Angel game at the moment. Um, it's a game that truly does not matter at all to us. It means a lot to my heart. Yeah. But Emmanuel Classe is just blowing a save right now to the triple A Salt Lake City <laughs> uh Bees, which is the current Angels uh, big league team. He uh Trey Cabbage grounded out, Chad Wallach doubled, Ohapi pinch running, Brett Phillips single, Kyron Paris RBI single. I mean, those are literally guys who all were not on the team to start the season. Um, outside of a hoppy pinch running, who obviously was in the minor leagues all last season, it's just kind of funny to see. And now Shanuel is getting intentionally walked, so it's <laughs> it's it's just funny how the Angels lineup um, has devolved. But still, Travis putting up a good rally against um, Class A now with the bases loaded, bottom of the ninth. Anyways, back to the the topic at hand. I personally think that the Cardinals should try to reboot rebuild in a sense um you know you have you have arenado on contract i would probably lean towards trying to get something in return for goldschmidt um you have Contreras on the books you have a lot of young talent like you mentioned i just feel like the the main reason why i think they should trade goldschmidt is because i don't think their front office is going to be serious about putting together a huge like if they wanted to they could just go ham in the offseason and build like a really scary team i just don't think they're going to do that they, every year they disappoint me with the pitching that they acquire or yep. the pitching they don't acquire is what you should say um they know how to make a splashy move every couple seasons you know whether it be getting arenado whether it be trading for goldschmidt um wilson Contreras was a pretty solid signing um hasn't been amazing but hasn't been uh too bad either but either way, it's just they always are able to kind of do something a little flashy, but and they can develop young guys. But the pitching has just uh, been the concern all season, Travis. I mean, we were talking earlier today while we were watching football. Adam Wainwright has been. I mean, Travis, it's like, it's like, uh, it's it's, it's, it, it's it's charity. It's like yeah. they, they literally have this guy who's not not he's not past his prime. He he shouldn't be in the MLB anymore. It's it's he should be coaching a high school team somewhere in. Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana. I, I think right I, now, I, th yeah. I think I read it to you earlier. I think he was like a minus two point something baseball reference war on the season. He threw a first pitch, middle, middle, 80 something mile an hour fastball to Acuna, and Acuna just cranked it out of the yard. First pitch of the game. Like, I mean, this is uh, old folks' home. I mean, they, they, yeah. they're literally just <clears throat> keeping him on the team, paying him a lot of money just so we can try to chase 200 wins. I mean, I, I really think that it's kind of an unserious franchise and it, and at the moment. It's $20 million, or it's 17 and a half million this, this year. I, I mean, I, I think that might be the biggest... Slap like, in the face. Like, what is that? Slap in the face, but just like the biggest steal for a player, a yeah. player in sports history. It might go down as one of the one of the greatest deals right there because I considering I, that baseball reference war being negative two yeah point four or something like that it's gonna get even worse after this start against the Braves I mean and then I think Acuna homered off him twice that factoring with the money he's actually uh, making on paper it's pretty crazy and I'm not just trying to bash Adam Wainwright but it kind of it's kind of reflective of the mindset of the Cardinals um the last couple of seasons with their uh, refusal to go and get any big name starting pitchers, um, any, you know, and Travis, I'll say this, to be fair, 
I said they should go get uh, Rodon. He hasn't worked out. So you know what? Maybe if I was running the ship, I would have done a bad job too, you know? But I still think that taking a swing on some starting pitchers to kind of raise the ceiling and the floor of your team, all they really care about is they have young hitters and they have a good guys in the bullpen. But I think there's more to it than that. Like you, Like if you guys really just wanted to spend a little bit more money the division was so weak coming into the season and the Cubs have stepped up in a big way. The Reds are harder than a lot of people expected. So maybe next season shouldn't be a year they go for it. Maybe it should be a year to trade Goldschmidt, see what you can get for a year for a team that just wants to rent uh, a first baseman for a year. I mean, I could see, I mean, Travis, what could they have gotten for like, from like the Marlins say, who they went and Marlins went and got Josh Bell. What if you said Goldschmidt's in the table? What, starting pitcher prospect will you give us yeah they could have got something good yeah um yeah. from a lot of teams a lot of teams maybe um who else i mean I, I said the twins back when that was um back when we discussed traded line stuff the twins could have given up someone uh pretty pretty one of their better prospects for a guy like goldschmidt to there's, be there, there's a lot a of thumper. names out there i mean even cleveland too i feel like as well um they haven't really had i mean i guess josh Naylor's kind of been their guy and, and uh josh bell was on their team as well but i mean it's it's it, yeah. it gets back to um I use the word unserious and it sounds maybe like an insult but I mean I just feel like if the team wanted to put together a a real winner this offseason they could but I just kind of feel like they aren't going to so therefore probably should trade Goldschmidt. Yeah. Um Travis, let's try to keep things rolling, keep things fresh here. What else can we talk about? Did the Angels um score a run? No, there was a play at the plate. <laughs> Uh, two we, outs, bases loaded for Randall yeah. for Randall Grichuk, who I think was placed on waivers again. Like they literally, you know, just like <laughs> someone, please take him off our hands, Travis. I'll be honest. I mean, I don't, I don't want to pile on him. I can't. I mean, one of the worst acquisitions. Yeah, I know, I know. He he yeah. just has been. I mean, every time he's at the plate, it's like pop out to right field or ground out to the shortstop. Yeah, I mean, it's no like approach. Yeah. It's it's it's. You know, two zero. We're swinging at a ball. We're grounding a double play. It's yeah, like, come yeah. on now. Um, uh, I will say, let's move and pivot to uh, uh, the Dodgers organization. Um, and I, I actually want to talk about, you know, kind of, kind of bad. And you know, I know we can get into the Urias news. That's unfortunate, and that's just going to be. It's like a Wander Franco situation where we don't have much to say. It's just he wa- he won't pitch again this season, and he he's a free agent and. Who knows if he's in baseball ever again? It, but it could be a Bauer scenario. They, yes. they could both be in. He, uh, he could be pitching. I think back uh, Japanese po- league, po- perhaps. possibly even back home, even in Mexico. He could be pitching in the in, in the Mexican baseball league in a couple of years. I don't know what's going to happen with that, but um, you know, this is what I'll say, and this is this is nothing surprising with the Dodgers. And you know, it's funny. I talk. I think I talked to a lot of Dodger fans, and they still give me the same BS crap of like we suck, <laughs> like we dropped the series to the Braves, like. We are atrocious. And I and I kind of just look at them and I'm like, you know, you have 84 wins. You're going to win the division by a landslide, a division that actually is not that bad. I mean, you literally have some very some surprisingly that the you know, we knew the Rockies were going to be really bad. We did not know the Padres are going to be this bad, but they still are. I think and in, in, they still are a very good team. Angels uh, walked it off. Angels win. All right. Great check. All right. I kind of want the draft pick. So <laughs> I wish they lost. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, back on the Dodgers, though. 84 wins right now, Alex. I mean, they're probably trending for 95 plus wins right now to finish the season. But what's just, I mean, again, every season, there's something new that's just miraculous. 
you know, Urias is Urias was having a really bad season as it is, but he is off the table right now. Gonsolin, I believe, is getting Tommy John, or he is not pitching again this season. Right. Um, he also a near a five ERA this season. Uh, Michael Grove, who's been in and out of injuries, a very bad ERA at a 6.6. He's on the IL. Noah Syndergaard's not on the team anymore. He actually even just got released, I believe, by the Guardians. So you look at that trade and that just, again, that's, that's, the Guardians have made some pretty bad trades this year. And and it's, it's, it's been very, very questionable uh, front office decisions, I would say, but he's off the team. um, Noah Syndergaard, you got Dustin May, who I don't think he's pitching again this season. I think he re, re, re-injured his arm. Oh, did he? He's on the six-day IL right now is what I'm looking at. So, you know, he has definitely... It's honestly to- been too many injuries to keep up with. It really has. It really has. And even, you know, Lance Lynn now, he was on a crazy good start. I think he was like 3-0 and in his first four games. Now he's 4-2. and His ERA is just near a five with the Dodgers in seven starts. So he's definitely gone back to his... Um, I would say kind of his old ways in, in, uh, in, in, you know, back in, in Chicago is FIP right now at a, at a 6.66 It's funny. I remember that tweet that, uh, one of the LA, uh, LA times, I think writers was saying, you know, Lucas Giolito, his numbers, and then Lance Lynn, his numbers. And like, he was just saying like, you know, both guys came from the white Sox, but the Dodgers get the, get the better guy. And, and I mean, you had to add context to the tweet. You know, I wanted to say he faced the Rockies twice and like the Oakland A's once. So he's literally facing, you know, bottom of the barrel major league teams well giolito was facing uh you know blue jays and and braves but anyways i digress I, i'll get back on track but you know so many guys injured so many guys off the team and they still alex are just rattling away win after win after win you look at the padres scenario with best team era in the national league possibly even the mlb and then you look at this team right now and and it's a complete flip-flop from what we were looking at last year where we had all these guys on the Dodgers that were healthy and had really good ERAs and this year I mean you got some guys that have good ERAs but you have a lot of guys that are you know like I mentioned hurt really bad seasons and ERAs or are not even on the team anymore and have been traded away but I, I guess I'll, I'll ask you this what I mean what, what do you give the success to I mean I just it's it's really insane to look at uh, with all these pitchers and then with these hitters, I mean, obviously we can get into the Freeman and, you know, Betts uh, updates. They've been on a complete tear this season. Both guys have been unbelievable. Seasons that we never expected from Jason Hayward, from David Peralta. Actually, you know what? No, I did expect it because it's the Dodgers. They can right. turn guys around. I think Jason Hayward is getting paid $750,000 this year. Not even a million dollars. And he, is, he has a... 124 OPS plus Alex I mean talk about one of the greatest value type players for what he's getting paid right now 14 home runs 17 doubles uh not a lot of strikeouts so I mean again you're you're just you literally changed the entire hitters approach who was definitely gonna be he was was getting close to becoming you know getting out of baseball we weren't gonna see Jason Hayward anymore after his days with the Cubs but I mean again I, I don't really understand it this year and and you know Alex I you give them hope in the playoffs because they're the Dodgers. They're going to be a team. They're always going to be competitive. But at the same time, I look at the team and I say, you know, is this team truly built for a deep postseason run? So I'll, I'll, I'll ask you two questions. What do you make of the regular season that they're, that they've been doing and they've been, you know, the results they've been having. And then also, do you see with everything we went over with all these injuries, with all these just kind of 
weird numbers in the ERAs and inconsistency, do you see this team making a a deep playoff run with uh, with the teams that all are going to be you know competing with them? Good questions. Starting on the regular season uh, topic, it's just crazy looking down the list. I'm looking at the list of their uh, baseball reference war team leaderboard, the players. Betts and Freeman obviously at the top, then Will Smith and Kershaw. All that kind of makes sense, right? As a, It's a yes. solid top four mm-hmm. going into the year that wouldn't really surprise you at all. After that, you have James Outman, who's in many ways probably a surprise to be a top five war guy for the team. Number seven on the list is Bruce Star Gratterall. Number eight is Jason Hayward, who you mentioned. Number nine on their leaderboard team war is Evan Phillips, then Dustin May, and then Bobby Miller. It's just like that is not what you think of as like a juggernaut team, right? I mean, all those guys are players who are playing well, guys who I like as players, but to be like the core of a team that has championship aspirations, you'd probably think, you know, I mean, just just going off the last couple seasons of Dodgers teams, they've had all-stars at every position. Now they're really kind of scrapping their way with, you know, young guys like Outman and I mentioned uh, Miller, um, guy like Gratterall and Phillips out of the bullpen are in your top 10 for war. You have, uh, you know, a- aged veteran like Jason Hayward, like you said, uh, could have been out of out of uh, the league at this point if the daughters didn't pick him up and is uh, a platoon hitter who already has about two baseball reference wars. So I think the, the build of the team, the way they're constructed, um, it is surprising they've had this amount of success by looking at the names in the paper. Um, but what is not surprising at all is we've talked about it many times. The Dodgers have a system, right? They... Um, do a lot of deep analysis when they get when they bring in a guy. I mean, I'm just looking at um, obviously Hayward, but just guys across the board who they bring in and they try to tweak their swings. Right? I mean, Martinez. I feel like Martinez started hitting for a lot more power than he did last year. You know, JD. Um, Average drop, home runs went up. Yeah. And then looking, um, just looking at other guys, um, Peralta, I mean, his his hitting has not been amazing, but he does have a 273 average, um, not a ton of pop. But I mean, just lots of guys across the board that they they try to chase down. I, I think I think Colton Wong homered in like his first at bat with yeah, them. Yep. And he had like one homer all season with the Seattle or something like that. But um it's it just very it's very interesting how they are able to so systematically rehabilitate old players develop uh young players to be good off the jump and i really think it comes down to an organizational system um and and like you kind of said it doesn't surprise us anymore right when these things happen these regular season success stories whether it be a free agent signing or a prospect that comes up i mean every picture that comes up even if even if they have a rough time if they have a couple bad outings i still expect them to be relatively successful in the near future because they will make quick tweaks. They will figure out what's not working. Um, they know exactly who to target um, when they're calling guys up, you know. So I, I do, I do honestly think that um, you know the, the 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 Michael Groves, even though you know Grove has a six point six one ERA, you know he only has uh, twelve games start. I think that he is still someone who is going to be able to contribute, um, if not this season, the next season. Um, I mean, looking at uh, guys 
throughout their their system. You know, Pepio is someone who hasn't been dominant, but I think get a good start today. A, a shutout, I believe. Um, you know, Bobby Miller has been quite good this year with a 3.8 ERA, but it's just crazy how they're able to rely on a big a big inning workload from a lot of these young guys who just get called up and get thrown into these kind of you know postseason races and they, a lot of meaningful games, meaningful starts, and they make it happen. So um, I guess my main answer to the regular season success is is a system, um, a team that. Uh, has a lot of things figured out that other teams are still just struggling to understand, whether that be from an analytics perspective, a development perspective. They obviously know what they're doing. I mean, Kike Hernandez hasn't been mashing the ball since he came over in a trade from Boston, but um, they specifically said when they got him that they had a plan in mind. And I think that's what it comes down to. Um, a team like the Angels, Travis, this season, they went and get a guy like Renfro. They get Urshela. You know, they were a very aggressive, and I have... You know, I'm I'm so happy with that because it's something we haven't seen from them that level of of pedal to the metal. But the Dodgers, I think they just go that step further with not only are we going to go acquire this guy or that guy, but we actually have a very clear plan in mind to get the most out of these players, and that is what has allowed them to fill the gaps between Freeman and Betts, who we'll get to um, in our next segment here. But then you asked about the playoff side of what I expect from the Dodgers. And my answer is this. I think the reason, you know, I, I think what I what I believe is is in a disagreement from most Dodger fans. I think if you ask most Dodger fans, why have the last couple of playoffs ended the way they did with a loss to the Padres in the division series, a loss to the Braves in the championship series the year prior, I think a lot of the time they would say, you know, Either Dave Roberts did something wrong or there's a team, the team is broken in the playoffs and they have a good regular season approach, but they don't know how to put the ball in play in the playoffs or, or this or that. I just, my, my true philosophy is this. If you make the playoffs, you have a chance to win. I don't think anyone is really picking the Phillies to go all the way. Actually, I was, but that was just, cause, <laughs> yeah. th- that, that's because I was just trying to Find that team that's going to get hot. I mean, the 2019 Nats. Yep, yep. No one saw that coming. Braves. <laughs> it, it, it comes down to this this fact that these teams are are so streaky in that small amount of a sample size. I know this Dodgers team can beat anyone, right? I mean, beating the Braves in a seven-game series in, in the NLCS, it will be quite a challenge because the Braves are such... Um, Heavy hitters, and they showed it in LA. <laughs> and, and I'm just looking at... There's dogs barking. I'm sorry, folks. But um, I think that one uh, one key uh, point that I want to make is I do think the Dodgers, um, regardless of the names in the paper, you know, maybe someone might be worried, you know, can we give the ball to Bobby Miller in a game six in Atlanta and feel confident? You know, honestly, Travis, I think you can because I think that it, it's it's when it comes to baseball in the playoffs, it's not all about, you know, the big names. Um, oftentimes the guys, um, either they're going to step up or they're not gonna. And I think the Dodgers, um, they have a plan that's as good as anyone's. Maybe the names, um, the, the Outmans, the Haywards, the, you know, Evan Phillips, uh, Bobby Miller are not really the guys you were hoping to be counting on back, you know, at the beginning of the season, you're probably hoping to have a bit more depth. Um, but I think that given where they're at and how they're producing, obviously the depth that the organization has been able to pump out, um, has been 
uh, more than sufficient to get them this far. I mean, like you said, some Dodger fans might be bugging about, you know, you know, we, we suck. We lost to a series to the Braves, you know, this and that. But Travis, they still have the uh, only six fewer wins than the Braves. The Braves have been yeah. a, a machine all season long. They're still pretty much right there. I mean, there's such a big gap in my mind between the Dodgers and whatever the third uh, best team in the NL is. But I think... Um, I think that overall, it's hard for me to imagine a situation where it's not the Dodgers and Atlanta in the NLCS. And that series, in my mind, obviously would favor Atlanta, but could go either way. But the fact that I'm I'm, I'm kind of saying that makes me almost think like I should just go bet on the Cubs or the and, Phillies, and, and you know? What I even see too is, I, you know, last year we saw the Braves kind of run out of gas in the end and they lost to the Phillies, a hot team. So, you know, in baseball, it's you're so streaky and... and that's an easy way to kind of answer the question with the playoffs is that when you get to the playoffs, it's truly anybody's game. You know, even if you are the number one seed, you have home field advantage. It, it really doesn't matter. I mean, there, there could be a team that has been streaky and been playing good baseball to end the season. And that's what's going to carry on to the playoffs. So, um, I mean, I mean, would you be surprised if Bobby Miller and um, let's just say Ryan Pepio or Emmett Sheehan like throw, you know, six or seven innings of two-run baseball in the playoffs. Like, no, you would not be surprised, no, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, those things happen um, when you get to a small sample size, a big series, a guy will step up or he won't. And when it comes to the Dodgers, I think that their guys are more, more likely to step up than any of the wild card teams, more so than any of the central teams. I mean, it really, it feels like their big obstacle is the Braves, and um, the Braves are very, very good. Yeah. They're the obstacle for everybody, so... Um, the Dodgers have as good a chance as, as, as anyone, in my opinion. Last question I have for you for this uh, topic, but um, we've seen uh, Walker Bueller make now, I think, his first uh, rehab start. Uh, do you see him on the team? I don't even I don't even know if he's el- eligible. I have to check. I, he might, I think he could be eligible for the playoffs. Do you see him, if he is eligible, do you see him on the playoff roster and do you see him starting big games? Do you see him being effective? I see him being effective... I do not know exactly which role they'll use him in. I think it will come down to, of course, the um, ability to get him back into, you know, back stretched out, back into facing big league hitters. Um, It depends how many starts he gets in the regular season before the playoffs actually begin. You know, if if, if there's like, if there's any, um, you know, road bumps or any, uh, setbacks during the rehab starts then i i do expect it to be difficult to get him to start playoff games if to like his first starts of the season at the big league level you know that's a lot to ask of someone obviously he has in my mind the mentality to do so but you know it some of it's basic sports science you can't just expect the guy to make his first big league start siri is siri's busy um sorry for the interruption folks uh looking at you know a bueller starting uh his personal mlb season in straight into the playoffs i mean i personally don't see that as a very viable strategy i i could see him i know that the dodgers will get creative is kind of where i'm at and roberts will definitely get creative i think you probably want to make bueller just a starter just because that's what he's familiar with but i could see him being a crazy weapon out of the pen too i mean imagine bringing him in for three innings twice a series or maybe four innings uh, twice a series um, behind a guy like Lynn, behind a guy, one of the rookies, you know, if, if someone is 
not having a good start. Um, but this, it's like a three-two game. Just you know, bring in. Um, yeah, face the five through nine hitters or something like that. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure if that's a, a reasonable strategy or not, but I completely expect him to be an impact piece in the playoffs, whether it be as a starter or in relief in some fashion. But um, do you do you agree? Do you think that he's going to be an impact? Cause I, I just don't see them wrapping him up like this yeah. just, just, just to kind of pull the plug, unless there is a, an actual injury setback. But yeah. I think they fully expect him to participate. Yeah, I, I know with these rehab starts, I don't know how many they're going to give him if, they're, if they want him to go to, you know, if they want to, you know, basically go out there and pitch three rehab starts, maybe pitch one or two games to finish the season. Um, I do think it, it may feel a little bit rushed and I think they have, you know, bigger and brighter future plans for Walker Bueller than to, you know, get him to this year's playoffs. Um, you know, obviously every playoff, you know, opportunity you want to take, you know, full advantage of, but I, I do see him probably being more of out of the pen kind of work. I don't even think Dave Roberts want to give him, even if he did start, I could see him going like four innings, just going through the lineup once. And trying to be effective, but I don't think Dave Roberts would be like, "Hey, here's the ball. You're going to give us seven eggs tonight." You know, um, I think that that would just be kind of a, a poor strategy, just given that you know he's kind of ramping up, and you're going to give him the you know his his first opportunities back after you know a season and a half or two years is a a you know high caliber playoff game. That that'd be pretty rough to come back and, and you know immediately be put in that situation but it's just something i wanted to ask it's been a question out in uh in the baseball world because uh he is you know starting to make these rehab starts that it gets interesting now that we have you know three weeks of baseball left you know what would you see happen if his last start is you know a week before uh the september month is over and then you could possibly even see him joining the team making his first start possibly in the last series of the year for the Dodgers and you know what would it look like in the playoffs but um moving on Alex do you I, want to go over the uh I have uh, I have something I want to discuss yes good yeah. I'm not sure if you're going to go here but I think it's a perfect time to segue into the NL MVP discussions because it has been Acuña's award to lose pretty much the entire season definitely he has continued to be phenomenal it's it's to no fault of his own that there are now other uh, you know, people entering the chat, so to speak, entering the play, uh, the MVP race. Travis, if the season ended right now, I want to know who you would pick to win the NL MVP. Um, do you view it as a runaway? Do you view it as a two horse race, a three horse race? Um, I think everyone knows that Betts, Freeman, and Acuna are more than more than likely to be the three finalists in the National League. But um, break down how you view the race. At this moment, yeah, I I definitely look at it as a, a two horse race. Even though that second horse it, it is a two head two headed horse with Freeman and Betts, but I, I do think Betts is the front runner out of uh, out of those two guys, Freeman and Betts. I'm talking about. So I think it's Betts and Acuna right now. Um, Alex, I would vote for Acuna. Um, I think he has just been spectacular all season. He's been on the best baseball team all season long. Again, I don't want to get team bias in there, but that is always kind of a nice little touch as well. But Betts has been phenomenal this year, Alex. He's really gotten back to, I feel like that 2018 form, not as good, but the power is there. The, the you know, the OPS numbers are there. I think he leads baseball right now in OPS uh, he's one of the one of the you know one of the guys with an OPS above 
1,000. Actually, no, I think Shohei still has the lead on that one, but I have to double check if with Shohei's at bats and all that. But um, I should say this. He leads the NL in Definitely. OPS. Um, with Freeman right behind him, Freeman is uh, has a 984 OPS. I've always said Freeman, I think, is the best hitter out of all three. Just pure hitting. That's what Freeman brings to the table. He's batting, what is it this year? 334. He's got a 411 on base with a 572 slugging. He's got a great OPS plus. Uh, only 25 home runs. But uh, Freeman is just a pure uh, contact and just all around, I think, hitter. Uh, whereas Betts brings the defense, Betts has the best war out of the three, um, and uh, and Betts is of course going to provide uh, the best power so far out of the three. But I would I would go with Acuna. I do think Acuna right now is still leading. If it ends today, I think the writers and the voters are going to go with Acuna. You know, Alex, I think the real reason why it's a milestone season. We know the voters love milestones. I didn't know that this was a milestone, but. Acuna is the first player ever to have 30 home runs. I think it's 30 or more home runs and 60 or more stolen Mm -hmm. bases in a season. So that, of course, I think is just going to easily propel him to win the MVP. Surprisingly enough too, Alex, I mean, he's batting 330 this year. We have not seen Acuna ever have this much contact in a season. So kudos to him for having such a high batting average. Also, on base percentage is at 411. That's tied with Freddie Freeman. Uh, and then the slugging, of course, is not bad as well at a 570. Him and Freeman are right there neck and neck with the OPS and the OPS plus. Acuna does have more home runs. And of course, Acuna plays the outfield. A great defensive outfielder with also, I mean, the 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 main number that people are looking at this year is the stolen bases because of how significant it's going to be. You know, could he have 35 homers and 70 stolen bags? You know, we'll see how the season kind of comes down to it all. But I think Acuna is um, going to win it, and I think Acuna, uh, for my vote, would get would get my vote right now. Um, even though he is, it's funny. Even though in baseball reference, I think he's a, you know, almost close to a one point five uh, deficit in WAR behind Betts. Betts has been spectacular because Betts, <laughs> he's a freak. Plays second base, plays shortstop, plays right field, plays and plays every position. I feel like so. Uh, at an all-star or a Hall of Fame level, so that's what that's what's also really impressive. But uh, that's kind of how I would uh, I would I would go about with those two right now. But I think it's Betts and Acuna truly uh, in the top two for uh, for the MVP right now. We disagree. <laughs> I, 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 I would have to pick Betts right now, and I think that um, just matching up the numbers between Acuna and Betts, I agree. Um, no, I don't agree. I, I. I the numbers, I mean, I mean, I will be honest. The numbers, I, I, the straight hitting numbers, really do favor. I mean, bets. I mean, you look at the OPS, OPS plus, home runs. I, I almost want to say, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm stuck between saying it's a three horse race, or that it's a one horse race. I honestly think that Betts is really building a gap between himself and Acuna uh, slash Freeman. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Betts at the moment, um, the average is not the same as Acuna, but the on base is only three points different. The slugging is. Uh, 39 points higher. The stolen bases are not the same. Um, Betts only with 10 steals. Crazy that Betts has seven fewer steals than Freddie Freeman. Yeah. This just goes to show Freeman's ability to kind of take advantage of the stolen base, or I guess like the pitch clock rules and the the, the what do they call that disengagement rules yep. and stuff. But um, Betts with the 173 WRC plus. I mean, he is really 
building a cushion between himself and every other hitter in the National League. The 38 home runs, that will continue to go up. I mean, there's a chance he ends up leading NL in homers. I do think um, Olsen will continue to um, hold that crown, and Alonzo will be in that mix up there at the top as well. But Betts, you know, being a top five home run guy, being the number one WRC plus slash, you know, OPS guy, being probably the most defensively versatile player playing great defense whether that be in the infield whether it be in right field i think that the value just trumps the stolen bases of acuna i think that 63 steals travis it's so impressive and it's it's especially notable because we kind of saw stolen bases um fading out of the game it became less of an emphasis and they expanded the bases and and, and uh, obviously the limiting limiting the amount of pickoff attempts has affected uh, stolen base numbers in a really positive way. I think it makes the game more exciting. Um, but in my mind, in terms of just adding value, a lot of the advanced numbers, they don't have Acuna's base running as incredibly impressive. They actually have, even though Corbin Carroll has three fewer games played than Acuna and 20 two fewer stolen bases they actually have corbin carroll according to fangraph's base running value base running runs above average they actually have uh carroll as the superior base runner and that's just because acuna is not above average in terms of like picking up extra bases on the base paths you know his reads on like you know taking that extra bag after someone hit, gets a you know gets a base hit and you're going first to third or whatever it might be or second to home even though he is very fast um the base running skills um by some metrics um are not like uh they're not blowing away guys like Betts and Freeman surprisingly um meanwhile Betts's uh, offense in my mind um is kind of blowing away Acuña and Freeman as good as Acuña and Freeman have been as hitters but um I, I, I couldn't be more impressed with the Cunha season. Like you said, the contact being up, which that can be seen in the batting average being at, you know, career high levels. But in my mind, it's also seen with the strikeout percentage somehow being below 12%. I mean, he's striking out less than guys who are known for being contacted. It's, it's really kind of crazy. Um, I, mean, how- I, I will say this. I mean, right now, Alex, he has five more strikeouts than walks this year. I mean, did, did I don't know if I ever would have thought and would have witnessed a season where Acuna has more walks than strikeouts. He has been predominant swing and miss type of guy, even though he does hit the baseball very far and very uh, and very often. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking it's, at, it's, it's like Tony Gwynn kind of stuff. I, I'm looking at qual- these are qualified hitters, national league, uh, leaderboard for fewest strikeout percentage. Arise is the least obvious. Then it's Kiebert Ruiz and Jeff McNeil, guys who are just truly out there uh, slap hitting, yes. you know, not, not lots of slugging for those two. Um, and then next is Acuna. And then after him, it's more contact hitters, like guys like Nico Horner, uh, Bryson Stott, uh, and the list goes on. But it, it just, it's very crazy to see Acuna able to limit the strikeouts to an extent in, 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 such, in such a big disparity from seasons past um where he's every single season been between like 23 and 29 strikeout percentage now down to 11 like just more than cutting it in half um and of course that's resulting in the high batting average and you know the career best uh ops and wrc plus if he keeps these numbers up but travis um i am leaning bets personally 
it's hard to say. I think they would pick bets right now. It, it's tough. Really? You, you are completely correct that they love milestones. I just think the fact that not that many people coming into the year were like, you know, no one had 30, 60 on their like, you know, bingo card, right? Like that no, wasn't, yeah, that wasn't yeah. something it's that like, people you know, were. And, and I will say It this. just sort of happened. I will say this. If Acuna gets really hot and he hits 40 and he has a 40-40 season, which again. Well, 40-70, honestly. Yeah, 40-70. But, you know, it, it, if you have a 40-40 season, that right there is something that people really notice. And they're like, wow, the power and the stolen bases. But you also would be looking at, man, he also had 30 more stolen bases. Um, what's crazy too, Alex, is leading the MLB in runs scored leading the MLB in total number of hits, which we know is, you know, we thought that was going to be a rises award to win is just having the most hits this year. And right now he is six total bases behind a or uh, Otani for the most total bases, a lot of counting stats. That's where he's going to be favored and win um, a lot of these categories. And I think the voters are going to rave on those. Um, and I, I just think that that's where uh, I, I truthfully um, think that they're going to look at that. And um, I guess with my anal analyzing as well, I think is also where are the voters going to lean as well. Um, also, Alex, I, I know this is stupid, but it, it's it's something that probably the voters are going to factor in because they want to be nice. Uh, Betts and Freeman already have an MVP and Acuna doesn't. I could just see them being, you know, going down that route. Uh, same thing with this year with uh, Cy Young's. You could discuss with uh, with Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole doesn't have a Cy Young. So in a down year, people might say, well, I'm going to give it to him. But um, I think truthfully for me, I just am, I'm, I'm just so impressed with both those factors that, uh, that, you know, we haven't, you know, I don't want to be true, true hyped on, you know, not stupid milestones, but just, you know, a little, little quirky milestones here and there that are just kind of like, huh, that that's really cool. But um, I just think that so far, couple months back Acuna had a good cushion it's definitely gotten very close it, it truly could be anyone's ball game if Betts finishes the season really hot then of course I I could see it lead leaning another way but right now I just think that some of those percentage stats are still so close that I I true truly will just lean with this impressiveness of the home runs and the stolen bases for Acuna right now but I, it's funny that the, the the slash line for both Freeman Acuna and Betts pretty much some are favored in different spots but pretty much I'll everyone's right in the in the same spot it's not like you're looking at a kyle schwarber with a 200 batting average and 45 home runs you know something like that it, it, it is very interesting how freeman and acuna it's almost identical yes. like it's only yes. four points different on the average the on base are tied and it's two points different in the slugging and it's crazy how so, so out of that what would you what would you favor freeman or acuna for only offense yeah um Freeman is two points higher on WRC plus. Yeah. So just on that, I would lean Freddie Freeman strictly on hitting. Mm -hmm. um, it's really crazy that Freeman is 0.2 higher on Fangraph's war because you would imagine that the stolen bases would have a high impact. Yeah. But I think some of that comes back to Acuna for whatever reason. Um, I'm not sure if it's the outfield jump or if it's the routes he's running or maybe he's not making diving plays, but I think his arm is elite out there, but Acuna's glove has taken several steps back in the last few years. I'm not sure if he's just trying to preserve his body. Um, I think with the ACL tear, it's, not it's, it's right. definitely in his head. Yeah. Right. You're not trying to explode towards the ball. You're just trying to make the plays that you can make, um, and he can trust his arm. You know, if he lets it bounce once, gun at the third base, you know, um, get the out that way. So... 
I think that's that's a component that's um, affecting the, the the Fangraphs war. Another fun question. I have to imagine if those are the top three, the fourth NL MVP vote getter would probably be Matt Olson. Yeah, probably Who, right. Who's fifth? Because I feel like in a if I'm just viewing a top five in my head, by war it would be Lindor or Corbin Carroll right behind them. Hasyan Kim's also in that mix. Um, did Tatis play enough games? Austin Riley's on a good team. He's not having his best offensive year. Um, maybe you just throw a, a, a props to Bellinger for what he's how he's bounced back, or, or Soto for the offense. I really don't even know how you would how you would pick that that person. But I think yeah. just the kind of the even balance after that after that big four um, is kind of interesting to me. Yeah, but, I I honestly truly even could not tell you. I would even think maybe even a pitcher. But you know, if if Snell wins it, could you just say we'll you give could Snell be right. a top five MVP? But you could be you, right. You know, they're always surprising. You know, player or you know guys every year that will sneak into a top five, even though it doesn't really mean anything. But it's kind of cool that you know, oh, I was a top five you know, MVP vote getter. And I was a pitcher as well, but um, it's, it's easily a big three right there. It's, it's, it's fun to have that conversation because the AL is locked up. And even it's funny, even with Otani, if Otani didn't play the rest of the season, he's winning. the MVP. He's already, he's already locked up. I mean, I, I think I shared with you after the trade deadline, um, Vegas had him at, you know, minus 10,000 odds, which I mean, I think I went over it. A, a, a ten thousand dollar bet would win you like ten bucks. Like it, it's just, it's truly unbelievable. And I even thought if he were to never play again this season, he is still walking away with the hardware. And so it's, it's kind of funny now that the, uh, the MVP race for you know, it, it was, it was locked up in June. I, I, I definitely think so. It was locked up at the beginning of the year. <laughs> we just had Otani. Otani, could you please have a All Star level pitching and All Star level hitting? And he, of course, exceeded both. So. Um, it, it, I just like looking at the, this is the Fangraphs NL leaderboard. Um, it's just funny seeing these numbers that don't really necessarily align with your perception of a player. Bryson Stott is 15th in the MLB, in the, in the National League in Fangraphs war. Machado's 30th, which I mean, I thought he was having like the worst season that anyone's ever had in mm-hmm. history of the mm-hmm. baseball. Yeah. That's how the first months, the, how the media was making it sound, but he's a positive bat and a positive glove in a big way. So he's at 3.1 Fangraphs war. It's just kind of funny seeing some of these names a lot higher than you'd expect. You know, Cody Bellinger's at 11, uh, 11th best Fangraphs war. Um, the most surprising of all, Travis, William Contreras, catcher for Milwaukee, is eighth in NL Fangraph's war. Wow. I think it's because his defense as a catcher has been so superb. Somehow they taught him how to frame, something that I guess the Braves were not <laughs> interested yeah. in teaching him, and it's made a, a huge boost um, in his overall value. But, Travis, um, anything else we got to touch on before we wrap up here? Um, let me take a quick look at my notes. I mean, I, I think... I think that MVP discussion we will have um, to revisit once we get a bit more data because, yep. like we said, these guys have numbers are so so comparable. Um, that might not be the case, you know, three four weeks from now. Maybe someone separates themselves, yep. or maybe it becomes even harder than ever to make that decision. But I guess last thing we can say before we wrap up here. Steven Strasburg um, retiring from baseball. Maybe that should have been mentioned at the top. Talk about sacrificing um your career i mean it's like it's like he sold his baseball career to the devil to have to 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 beat that insane 2019 astros team that that's what 
I think we'll all remember Steven Strasburg for it just seemed like after that Alex it was a complete nosedive straight into a pit I mean <laughs> I, I I mean you feel bad for him but at least he got do. paid at least he, he got paid he got paid and he got the ring and you know was was definitely a huge piece of that championship team so you know there there are there are worse careers than that but uh it definitely was a it's it's funny going into that off season. I remember, you know, again going back to our team Angels, we were always linked to you know big guys like that, guys that have great postseasons. I feel like that's always the Angel way. It's like we're gonna go out there and get the big name who had a big big October. But uh, Nationals paid him a lot of money, and that was basically the last time that you ever saw a productive Steven Strasburg and a healthy Steven Strasburg. But it's unfortunate. Um, but. He got paid. He will, you know, make a nice living now in retirement and can, I mean, you know, always bank off that that insane, you know, going back, you know, with, with, with insane teams of this century. I mean, 2019 Nationals will always go down as just a, you know, what a way for a team to really rally and, and a historic underdog uh, com- complete, you know, complete the un- unreachable we all thought. And so, um, yeah, truly, truly a, a, a crazy career. Yeah. It, it- if you, uh, I, I don't know for sure, obviously, but I think if you should have a crystal ball heading into the 2019 playoffs and said, this is what you're capable of, but this is what it's going to cost, <laughs> you know, that the Thanos meme, what did it cost? Everything, Everything you know, yeah, I, I think, yeah. I think that, um, he I probably, he, he probably would have done it. You know, I think you would take it. Yeah. You say, yeah, you know yeah. what? You're going to get the world series ring. You're going to get the world series MVP. You're going to get paid for three years or you're going to get you know. a monster contract and that's going to be it. And I'm sure he has to forfeit the rest. I mean, of course he, so he, I actually had a, I actually had a, a, something to say about that. I've only heard a little bit today. I think there's going to be more coming out in the coming days, coming weeks. Um, from what I've heard, they had something planned for him, like a, like a ceremonial, like retirement kind of event, and they were gonna like retire his number, and like they're gonna do like wow. a, nice, a nice thing yeah. for him. I heard that got canceled, oh, wow. and I heard that the reason for that was because there was already having disputes about paying the rest of his contract. And mm. I think that I think that the based on the way the contract is, the Nationals were obligated to pay him, and I think that they're trying to find a way out of that. And I think that that has potentially created uh, some drama but travis <laughs> i don't have the details yeah. i don't know if anyone has the details yet but that is a story that may well creep back up um towards the end of the season or maybe in the off season because i mean talk about a guy who i mean it, it's it's so it's so twisted because he did so much for you and he won you the ring and and, and you gave him the mvp award but at the same time it's like i understand a team like not wanting to give a guy, you know, 30 million a year to not even compete, not, yeah. not be on your team to live in San Diego for, for, and, for, for and, the next few seasons. Yeah, yeah. That's also hurting um, your ability to get other free agents and stuff like that. But at the same time, I also think the owners are rich pay the guy who won you a ring. So I don't know. My head's all, all mixed up about it. So I'll have to see yeah. when more details come out, but that is kind of a fun little, you know, twist to kind of keep in mind. Um, that may have more developments in the future. I only saw something about that just today on Twitter during my lunch break, but um, we will see if anything comes of that. I'd be I'd be pretty surprised if they if things got ugly, you know, because the Nationals are a team not full of legends. Like he's like one of the few. Like yes. you know, he was a first overall pick. 
Uh, he won you the World Series. I still remember the first start. I remember he was a freak coming out of uh, yeah. know, San Diego the, State. And then I think the he strikeouts. had like 11 strikeout debut against the Pirates. And I, I think I even watched the first like four innings of that game because I was just so intrigued by what he did in college. And that, you know, then you had, you know, Bryce Harper come up and you're like, well, the Nationals have just these, you know, killer first overall picks so far. And it, I mean, they have just, you know, they're, they're, they're already legends. And so... Yeah, it, we'll, it, we'll see. it doesn't get that way. Yeah, we'll see if the Nats, um, you know, turn on their guy. But uh, you know that all that, all that, and more coming up in future episodes, Travis. We had a long break. We're going to try to be a bit more consistent, Travis. You got business trips, though. I mean, I mean, you you got you got a you, you got a job that requires you to be all over the country. It's it's football season, and yeah. and, and uh, you got you got. You got college games to watch. We got NFL games to watch. You know, a lot going on. But um, it is it is. It's the official. I feel like we're officially in the ramp up mode. Like yes. we, we know which teams are not making the playoffs in many situations, um, in both the AL and the NL, and it's going to be just a fun wild card race to the stretch. The NL is super tight. The AL um, West is super tight. Um, I'm looking forward to see how some of this stuff shapes up. So we will track those races and the awards races in the coming weeks. And I think next time we come to you, it'll be. A lot of just updates on the NL wild card and the American League West and the American League wild card. I think that's uh, that's like the big to be determined. Exactly. That, that, that's really all we want to talk about because it's it's the big news right now and, and what teams are you know what teams are 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 truly out of the race. We can basically count them out and what teams are you know fighting for their life. And uh, there have been some shifts I will say in the last two weeks that I I, I am truly surprised with. But. Right, and that goes in. Yeah, I mean the NL. I think yesterday or two days ago, the, those four NL teams in the wild card race that had the exact same record. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, exciting times in the MLB as always. But Travis, that wraps us up for today. We thank you so much for coming along this ride with us. Um, thank you so much if you made it this far, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>